Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the No Apologies podcast. My name is Morgan. I'm Angie. I'm Mara. I'm Lynette. I'm Sophia. <laughs> and today we have a special episode of the podcast. Woo-hoo! We have Lynette on for the first time. Yay! I'm thinking Lynette should probably explain her relation. Yes. Okay. To, to us. us and the podcast. So I am Mara's mom. And that makes me Angie's sister-in-law and aunt to Morgan and Sophia. Um, I've been part of the family for almost 30 years. Um, Why haven't you shown up on the podcast before? Because I don't live in Arizona. Yeah, I live in uh, the Pacific Northwest on the Olympic Peninsula. That's where we are right That's now. That's where we yeah. are right now. We're, we're visiting her. We are in Washington. We're in Washington. Yeah. So we're visiting Lynette for a couple days. We went to Seattle, had a girls trip. Oh, so great. So needed. And now we're in her house recording a podcast. Yes, we are. Yep. So I think it's really fun. Um, it was too difficult to try and patch me into the podcast every single time that it happened. But we have lots of discussions whenever we're doing our Marco Polo, keeping each other up to date. And uh, so I am excited. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, prom- have- I was going to say, I promise the conversations that you've heard in this podcast before are the conversations we have in real life oh, with yeah. her in the Marco Polos. And so, oh, sure. Right. Yeah. So there's pretty much not anything that's been discussed in the podcast that we haven't already flushed out Mm. in one way or another um just in the fact that you know we're family like each other right and we talk and we're all i'm pretty sure verbal processors Mm -hmm. yeah which is one of the reasons why the podcast works so well i think some more than Mm -hmm. others what but that is one of the really awesome things about marco polo is the fact that only one person gets to talk at a time. At a time. And so then it gives everybody the opportunity to have opinions. Um, but nobody gets stepped on <laughs> during Marco Polo. Yeah. Right. Oh, and we're trash. actually able to respect and love each other and listen to each mm-hmm. other, even if we don't think agree, or agree on the everything. Same. Right. Which I think Safe is space. very hard to find. In the world or the church. Well, yes. not just yeah. the world or church, but likewise, um, family. And I think that's yes. one of the really, really interesting yeah. dynamics that we are literally basically choosing at this point is that, you know, each of our individual journeys has brought us to a, a maturity of being able to honestly respect other people that don't have to be carbon copies of what you're doing or thinking. It's actually okay for someone to not think like I do Mm -hmm. and not agree with me or do things different than me. Like, that's actually okay. And it's actually healthy. It's so much healthier to be able to have this necessary Mm -hmm. opposition in all things. Forgive me for using narrative-based wording. But it's like, it's, it's healthy to have opposition. Like, there's reasons why there's opposites and variable dynamics in the world out there. Well, I think that was one of the things that um, has gone away from in society in general is the fact that family dynamics were much more what community was based off of. Right. And so, you know, there are certain lessons that you cannot learn from your parents that you're only going to be able to learn them from other trusted adults. Right. And that used to be your grandparents or your aunts and Mm -hmm. uncles. And you know, the, the best memories come when you have larger family gatherings Mm -hmm. or not necessarily larger, but just, um, you know, extended family more than just, you know, the, the parentals and the kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's totally something that we can definitely get into um, next season, actually, because I think we're kind of wrapping up the season with this little retrospective, and we figured, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to just 
kind of go through briefly. We're going to attempt to be brief. You know yes. how none of us are brief. No. Morgan does a very good job at making sure we sound brief. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I no, do. You Obviously, do a very good job. Underwear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, for you, it will be brief. We <laughs> promise. Um, but we're going to basically just go through kind of like our episodes and get Lynette's perspective and see if we have any additional commentary to come in. Woo-woo! Yeah. All right. All right. So She's um, had a crazy life. She has had a crazy life. She's had almost as much of a colored life as Angie. And actually, that kind of segues us into like the first one we want to talk about, which is like church culture. Why you left and where you are now in regards to your spiritual journey. So, um, I was raised, uh, Mormon, um, but, you know, even maybe more so in the culture than, um, Mara explains, my great-grandmother was actually born in the Mormon colonies in Mexico that happened because my great-great-grandfather had three wives. Um, and so I'm from polygamous stock. Um, and so when the, uh, what do they call it? Pioneers. No, no. The, the law that came down, that's basically oh, outlawed bigamy. polygamy. Yeah. So like what? Incest? No, no. Incest. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's okay. That's another thing. But so the whole concept and idea is that, um, people got upset that right, Mormons were practicing this religious thing and so they came down with political laws outlawing polygamy 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 and bigamy and you see a lot of those laws actually still in place and people can get in buku trouble for it right so basically what happens like my great great grandfather he had three wives and he could legally have one wife in the United States and all of the other families were sent to Colonial Juarez, which is just over the border from El Paso. So my great grandmother was born there, um, and uh, a lot of the other families were in Southern Arizona. Um, and so there's a rich heritage when it comes to that particular um, portion of the Mormon religion. Um, At any one time, there were no more than 10% of the men that were actually practicing polygamy. So it wasn't like every single Mormon guy had five wives. And we're not saying this in defense or attack of the Mormon religion. This is just facts as it stands. Right. And um, so, you know... um, there does come a lot of um, social status um, mm. based off of where, you know, what your last name is and if you're related to somebody that is related to one of the general authorities. Um, and so there's just, um, you know, a lot of social jockeying and hierarchy right? that comes with the cultural aspects of it, not necessarily the religious practices. So, um, some of the benefits that I do see from being raised Mormon is that, um, there was a lot of weight put on spiritual topics. Um, I do feel that I had a good relationship with, um, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as my Savior. Um, Some of the challenges that I started experiencing uh, was as a young mother um, having kids with disabilities, one of the religious tenets that the Mormons have is that a person can only need baptism for repentance of sins once they reach the age of accountability, which for the Mormon church is eight years old. Basically, they say that you can't sin until you know what you're doing. And that from a psychological perspective is about eight years old. Um, So that's culturally, babies are not baptized. You don't get baptized until you're eight years old. Or older. Or old. If you're a convert. Right. But having a... 
disability kind of gave my kids a free pass. But I didn't see my kids' disability as actually affecting their mental capabilities. <clears throat> so I wanted my sons to be able to be to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of um, pushback um, as far as whether or not um, they needed to be baptized. And that actually generated quite a bit of cognitive dissonance for me because even Jesus needed to be baptized. And I'm like, wait a second, are you telling me that my kids are better than Jesus's? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of the answer, well, you know, no, so not wrong. Yeah. It's just, and so a lot yeah. of the the pushback would be the fact that um, that was just one of those questions that remains a mystery until the second coming, and then everything is known. And so that's basically what, you know, if you don't have a, a concrete answer for it right now, then it's one of those things that will get worked out right after the second coming. And so then a lot more of my journey happened as um, my husband passed away and I met someone else. And one of the things that I made a goal for myself was that I was really, really good at keeping all of the rules that Mormons have. Uh, to get into the temple, you have to have a worthiness interview and answer a bunch of questions. And it was a security for me in being able to answer those questions as perfectly as possible. Well, the guy that I started dating wasn't as perfect as being as Mormon as I was. But I started to be taught by God that he, he being God, didn't love me any more than he loved Scott just because Scott wasn't keeping all of those rules as perfectly as I was. Mm. And that really kind of shook me because I felt like the influence of the spirit and the guidance and direction that I was receiving from Heavenly Father through the Holy Ghost was 100% dependent on how well I kept all of the rules. And that all started to unravel because here was this guy that sometimes swore and, you know, liked his coffee because he wasn't raised as Mormon. And so there were things that I started doing in my life that were not kosher per the Mormon religion. Hmm. But just because I wasn't keeping all of the rules did not impact how much God was influencing my life. And that was really, really hard. Hmm. Eventually, it was amazing and awesome because that showed me that God really is not a respecter of person. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, kind of blew holes in this whole concept and idea of you have to keep this laundry list of rules just so that you can get into the celestial kingdom. Right. Which was the big push as far as, oh, my kids have disabilities. They automatically have the golden ticket. And I just have to live my life worthy to be in their presence. Once that all started unravel, it actually gave God more power in my life because I could see his influence in spite of the rules as mm -hmm. opposed to because of the rules. Mm -hmm. And so that's what helped propel me beyond just the box of being a Mormon. Yeah. So where do you see yourself now? How, how would you describe it now? Are you Christian? Are you spiritual? Are you, what words would you use knowing that words is an imperfect device to communicate these kinds of things? So it's kind of like God, what if God actually is bigger than the rules? Oh, he totally 100% is. So, um, I still consider myself 
a Christian because I do believe in Jesus Christ. I have a lot of opinions as far as even scripture. So I am definitely a spiritual person and just, um, you know, I like to bring in a lot of more of the metaphysical Mm-hmm. aspects of spirituality uh, quantum physics is absolutely mind-blowing especially when you do pair it with religion the whole concept and idea that the choices I make will raise my vibration vibration is energy the higher your vibration the closer you are to source um, and it, it you know that whole concept and idea really explains why um, there is a separation between God and humans hmm. um, just because his vibration is so high that we literally cannot tolerate the energy that he emanates. It's like being in the presence of, excuse me, the literal sun. Exactly. Different, higher output of energy mm-hmm. right. that our human bodies can't withstand. Right. Well, when you talk about that, it makes me think of the thin space. Yeah, thin spaces. Mm-hmm. Thin I don't spaces. think she knows that one. That no. concept, I don't. I don't. Thin spaces are spiritual. this idea of places where that space between man and God is so oh, thin. Where okay. the veil, where the veil is out. Feel right. like you almost right. we like we feel mm-hmm. like that we feel like camp. The, the mm-hmm. ABC camp, camp. Yeah. in Patagonia, we feel like that's a thin space. And an interesting yeah. thing about that, about ABC camp, is they have the hands on the God. ceiling, oh, yeah. and Todd and Rob's hands are on the ceiling. Of course. And so it's like... Yeah. That's a thin space for them. That's a thin space so, where, like, there's, right. there's like, physical evidence of them being there, you know, God's there, oh, they're, like, the people who run the camp, like, uh, they create... The vibrations Correct. create the thin space. Yes. yes. And that's the, the, it's the environment. And yes. that's the whole foundation of Dia de los Muertos is that yeah. one day a year, the space thins out. Right. So yeah. I think yeah. that's another thing I will have well, to interject this. So it talks um, another of the um, spiritual gifts and legacies that I do have from my mother Mm -hmm. is the ability to communicate with those that are on the other side of the veil. So whether that is people that have passed away or those that haven't been born yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not one we really talk about because it sounds too woo woo for the Mormon church. (laughs) Right. Is okay, it like no. Things that you hear, or is um, it like for me, or like feelings? It's, it's for me. It's more feelings. A different members of my family and manifest different ways. Tell them about your um, sewing ones, your sewing oh, angels. So I call them angels, as far as having a any, word to call them. Right, having a word to call them. So sewing angels. It's you know my mother was a great sewer, and you know so were my grandmothers. And so there are, there are literal people that will interject their ideas when I'm doing different projects. I mean, I had that experience after Rob passed away and we had more of his art here in this house Mm -hmm. and I was hanging it and there was somebody that kept telling me that I was doing it wrong, wrong. And I, I told that. Todd to be quiet. It wasn't Todd. <laughs> it wasn't Todd. It was Rob. And I'm like, okay, Rob, you can have input on how to hang your art. Right. And so um, if it is fair, right? And, and we say this sitting in the living room where there's one, two, three, four, five, right. six. Yeah, there's At a least lot of, six pieces right. of art from where I'm sitting. So right. this kind of, of ties into the, the belief that energy never dies. Correct. Right. Correct. I don't know. So then it's maximalism or minimalism? Oh, totally. I am so much a maximalist. Really? Oh, yeah. It has to do with, again, 3v2. Right? 3v2. (laughs) You broke the tiebreaker. Minimalism for the win, baby. Minimalism. We are maximalists. But it's also interesting, too, because objects have energy. Correct. And you inherit the energy and the people that are attached to said objects. Because I get overwhelmed by certain, mm-hmm. to an extent, when there's, like, a lot of energy with yeah. certain things, yeah. I get overwhelmed because I try to pick up all the energies and I try to focus on every one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why yeah. minimalism is is better for me because yes. when I have 
focused energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like this, this, yeah. this, good. So uh, one of the other things that um, I know you guys touched on, but the interesting thing and dynamic is that it's oldest daughters that are the maximalists. Firstborns. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but here's the other thing too, right? Ooh, so, and I kind of used to you know the ADHD or whatever, but the whole concept and idea that... Um, I grew up in a house with two other sisters, and so we, uh, the only space that we could call our own was our bed and the wall above our bed. Okay. That was our space. Oh. And so in a room with three <laughs> girls, Morgan, right? you hate that idea. Well, I just feel bad for you. Right? Yeah. Because oh, you don't it. have that much of an individuality. You right. I didn't have that opportunity to decorate my space. Right. And so literally it was how what I had on my bed mm-hmm. and then, you know, my wall. Yeah. And there's a security in being able to put up and visually represent who I am as an individual. That that's exactly how I think about it. It's like I want my house to feel a certain way to be me to like feel all the aesthetics that make who I am and who Carson is and like so then, make it a home. I think it's know? really mm-hmm. interesting too that the oldest daughters as we're sitting here talking about this we I feel like it's a matter of we struggle so hard to make an individual identity for ourselves that is not a copy of our mothers. That's accurate. And so it's like that that's why we put it out there to see because a lot of the times I felt really compelled as a small child to follow in your footsteps, mom. And it was like, to not do that, it was, it all had to be out. I had to be able to see everything that I was that you weren't. Yeah. Wow. No, I think that oldest child thing is very interesting because Sophia and I, I'm a middle and Sophia's a baby and we're minimalists. And I think part of that is because as Babies, a lot of times as babies and middle child, you know, middle children are called the great adapters of the world. And when you're a middle child, sometimes a baby, depending on the situation, you really are focused more on just simply surviving and adapting. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah. really focused mm-hmm. on carving out an identity. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you just survive and adapt. And a lot of the times, like, oh, when I was little, I would see Morgan's, like, whatever decorating her room or Mm -hmm. like showing her identity and i was like well that's me too that's my identity yeah Yeah, i'm like that's my identity so i don't really need to show mine because morgan shows it for me yeah 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 exactly and i had a sister 10 years older than me right and so um i feel like in a lot of ways i'm 50 years old and i'm just now figuring out what i like Mm. Oh, for sure. You right. know, and it's just crazy. So, yeah, so I, I really get that. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, too, um, looking at how we've made those changes, like, mm-hmm. Angie, you said you're 50, you're just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Mom, you're coming to a lot of changes in your life. Like, what, what are some things that you've had to learn to accept about yourself and like that you've had to end up grieving mm-hmm. or that you're in the process of changing yeah, that and was grieving a good one we talked about grieving your past grieving self. our past selves and so, accepting it too right. and not so, just getting rid of it my <clears throat> biggest grief and it's still something that um that I struggle with is um not being the mother that I wanted to be mm. As growing up as Mormon, right? Right. So, no joke, when I was 12 years old, I had first and middle names for 13 kids. Excuse oh me? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to have 13 wow. kids. Was mine ever on there? Was mine no, on there? Name? No. No. Thank there God. Were, there were other... Yeah. So, whatever. The whole concept in being was that being a mother was... My highest ideal. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a career. I didn't want really, you know, school. Schooling that wasn't necessary. I mean, it was a good idea, but what I wanted to do was to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 
the experiences that I had, I wanted to be the football mom. I wanted to be the band mom. Mm -hmm. And those were not anything that I got to be. Mm. Not through any fault of your own. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It just it was just the yeah. circumstances life happened to give yeah. for people yeah. who may or may not need the brief refresher. I have four younger brothers and they all have pretty I would say severely compounded autism. Yeah. That yeah. mean that they can't most of them can't live unassisted or they have other things that inhibit how they act and respond to things. Yeah. So that was very, very hard, but it was likewise something that was so intense that I didn't ever have time to grieve it. Mm. And it was literally, I just was thrown into survival mode Mm -hmm. from a pretty fast... 20 plus years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This year it is 20 years. It's... Since I've had all five kids and the twins were diagnosed. Oh, I see. And, um, you know, that's, that's again, one of the gifts of the spirit that I have is a lot of times people have to take information in and they have to process it. Um, But literally a gift of the spirit is, for me, is if I hear truth, I recognize it and I can make it my own Mm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought all people did it that way. (laughs) I learned it from her. Right. But it it is one of those things that, you know, if I literally had to take six or nine months to think about something before I could implement it or know whether or not it was going to work for my family, somebody would die. Yeah. Literally. Like, we're we're not joking about this. Like, I have scars from how things have happened just in the house. Not from mom, but just the physical aggression that happened between my brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's something I'm kind of grieving a little bit, but it's also just a fact of what my life was. What you had to live with would have actually been much more just normal and doable outside of the church narrative. Correct. But at the you, same you time, I'm saying? yes, but yeah. at the same time, the church narrative is literally what saved my sanity, Ugh. which is so mm, crazy. That's so weird. Well, it's but, so crazy. It also jacked everything Correct. up. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But yeah. it, it, but it, it was the only thing that kept me functioning from a day to day basis was yeah. the fact mm-hmm. that I knew that this was a plan. That there was purpose and reason as far as why my kids had this disability, why their dad had to die, you know, all of that. Because if there hadn't been purpose and plan, I would have gone crazy. It's just, it just would be amazing if we could get the church narrative to the point where there is purpose and plan without rules and shame. Shame, Yeah. Yeah, for like sure. What, what if we could really be about purpose and plan and not about rules and shame? Yeah. I think that's the whole, like, we've talked about maybe doing this topic, but, like, can there be a good church culture? Yeah, which we're going to talk about that sometime. Yeah. At some time. Right. I mean, we could we could talk about it now either way. But, I mean, it's just, like, it's so interesting because you're, you're right. It's with that church narrative box, with the Mormon narrative box, mm-hmm. you woke up in the morning you had family prayer you did you read scriptures first thing in the morning mm-hmm. there was a routine and a regimen that mm-hmm. happened that the church built into your life monday was family home evening tuesdays wednesdays or thursdays you had mutual for your teenage children you mm-hmm. had youth group for your teenage children you had once a month you had the children's primary group if the primary president was on top of things um <laughs> But at the same time, that's where things started going really, really sideways. Right, because you had none I'm of that. I'm literally, you know, trying No, she was to the do... person having to do all of it for her family with right. no <coughs> outside help from right. the leadership. Oh, you want your kids to go to primary? You can teach them. Right. Oh, you want your kids to do these fun activities? You have to be there and provide the support. Right. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of the things that, you know strengthened my relationship with God is the fact that I still had 
that spiritual input even when it wasn't coming from people. Mm. And, um, you know, yeah. And you were able to walk away from a lot of spiritual abuse and spiritual neglect from those church leaders that you relied on. Only because I refused to give them that power anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My relationship with God was not dependent on anybody else's. That's where a lot of people are like, oh, well, did you have a crisis of faith? And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely right. not. Because that's how most yeah. Mormons leave. That's why most Mormons leave, is that right. it's a right. Christ. They can't separate the culture from the religion, from the spiritualness of it. And so they get it all tangled up. And when they have oh, a crisis no. in leadership or they have a crisis in ritual, they think that everything's bad and then throw the baby out with the bathwater, basically. Right. right. And I think that that's what saved me is the fact that I had already started to craft a relationship outside of rituals. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I'm going to go back. One of my most treasured memories was being in the temple with my mother and my grandmother and all three mm -hmm. of us being able to participate in those things mm -hmm. together. I mean, yeah. I'm Dude, not going gonna... through it with you and Grammy. That was still, that still sits sure. right up there with me. Cause also it's not necessarily about the ritual that you're doing. It's about the emotions that it provokes or yeah. the thin spaces like you guys yes. were talking. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and just the fact that, you know, the more I acknowledge that there are thin spaces, the more right. often they happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, you, earlier, Sophie, you were talking about my interaction with people on the other side of the veil. So the way that I don't actually hear audible voices as much as I have impressions in my mind that this is what a specific person would say in this given instance. Right. And um, so that's one of the things that as I acknowledge, oh, this is what they would say in any given instance, it allows for more and more of mm. that influence to be available. Mm -hmm. One thing that both Todd and Rob do, mm. they mess with the radios. They're such jerks about it, too. Mm. It was so crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Maybe that's the why we couldn't get the freaking Bluetooth to work in the rental car. Oh exactly. So, mean, for a there, perfect we, we example, have a great story about this one. The Golly. perfect example is we just did that work party at Chuck and Debbie's house uh -huh. in March. And we had on my playlist... And it, went no, it was on. my it was my some of my playlists. And no, then, maybe it was your it was playlist. my it was okay. my Spotify my speaker yeah. and her playlist. But it was literally we went for like twenty and, minutes mm, at least at least, and every single song that was played right was Rob, from Rob or, or Todd to uh -huh. one people. of the other people that were there. Uh -huh. There was. Know. How do we know? Because we listen to the lyrics. What were, what were some of the songs I that came know. out? I don't even remember them yeah. anymore, but we're listening to the lyrics. And some of the lyrics were like super romantic and it's super cheesy. And it's like, that's, that's Rob, Rob talking to Angie. Talk. And then there was a lot of punk rock, smells like teen spirit type of vibes. And that was, oh, that's Todd talking to Chuck. But there was likewise oh one God. of those songs that it was like, I'm really happy that you've moved on. Yeah. Right. And it was totally Todd. Yeah. Talking to you. Talking yeah. to me. Yeah. In relationship to her relationship with Scott. Right. And so wow. it was just so f interesting because that's wow. not the first time that it's no. happened. Right. And yeah. It's 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 a different variant on like the angel number thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So we the Airbnb we're staying at right now, the address number is two two two. Two two two. Our plane tickets Our plane to tickets come here was two hundred and twenty two dollars. And there's, we did a lot of like looking at the symbology of that. And so it's hope, it's new beginnings, it's a crossroads in your life with optimism and moving forward with joy and yeah. harmony. And so it's like things like that, I think, are just so important when we're talking about spirituality and moving forward to like what you said, mom, the more you see these things in your life and the more you acknowledge them, the more that they're there. Mm -hmm. Correct. It's almost like you're saying that God is bigger than man. <gasps> oh, amazing. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go and dive into there for just a real quick yeah. talking specifically about scripture, Ooh. right? So my opinion of the Bible 
and even the Book of Mormon. I don't know as much about the Bible. my opinion about the Book of Mormon anymore because that just gets all kind of crazy. But men have these spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. And then they try and wrap it up in language mm-hmm. to explain their very personal experience mm-hmm. to an audience. Mm-hmm. And then other people take those experiences and decide that that's how we're supposed to live our lives. Right. Right. No, not right. <laughs> okay, no, not right. <laughs> so but also, point, that's but what happened. Also, that is exactly what happened. The yeah. whole point being is that I think. No, no, okay, I'm not thinking. My God has experiences for me to have. Mm, yeah. Indirect contact with his spirit. Mm-hmm. So we're like writing a new Bible. I was just going to say, we, we are writing each, our own scriptures. As we, we, yeah. If we, we journal, too. if we are people who journal, which I feel like most of us journal at some point or another, or we take notes uh, for some reason... Or we make Facebook posts, okay? God forbid. <laughs> do that. God forbid that we write in journals, you guys. But it's just like I as we like document that. the experiences, life, thinking about things, talking about things, Marco Polo's, uh-huh. just records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're making our personal scripture. Yeah. Right. The, the podcast. Whole, the podcast. Personal sure. scripture so we're like for a select group. Scripture. Our life is creating scripture. But then our experience with God is creating scripture all the time. And Correct. then it's so cool because if yeah. you we think back to the the whole the conversation we had about like home churches and how a church can be like two or three people. Mm-hmm. This is church. Correct. Yeah, like we are Absolutely. making our scripture for our church yeah. right here, right now. At, I just think that's so cool. We're at church right now. The yeah. whole concept yeah. being that where we, you know, it does. It's never an individual. My individual walk with God isn't going to mean as much to Sophia. Right. No. Yeah. Because it's my walk. Right. Mm-hmm. My God is going right. to talk to me in the language that I understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so that's one of the things that I struggled with the culture because the culture, uh-huh. the scriptures say that God is not a respecter of persons. Right. Okay, but wait a second. If God's not a respecter of persons, then why do the Jehovah's Witnesses only have 144,000 people that right. they're going to save? Why can't anybody be on the worship team? Correct. If God's not a respecter of persons, then that's why our, our, I have a good friend who says, like, a lot of worship teams, he's like, yeah, they're great spiritual entertainment. He's like, I love spiritual entertainment. He calls it spiritual entertainment. Interesting. And I'm like, it's, he's so right. It's spiritual entertainment. Correct. Because if God is not a respecter of persons, then why can't anybody be on the team? Correct. Everybody because can be on the team. It's exactly if you're not a respecter of persons. It, it doesn't matter how well of you know. Yeah, like God's only going to be praised if the person has perfect pitch. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's like that's really that you know it's spiritual entertainment. It's not really you know, and and that's why what you're saying is that. The idea of church is truly the meeting of God's people intersecting in this world. Correct. That is truly church. Whether that be in a family room, whether that be for lunch, whether that be in the hospital, in a car. Like, that is truly where church is happening. Which is is so interesting because it's why, in a lot of ways... I said in the in the episode on why we left, mm-hmm. when I said my spiritual journey, one of the things I said is that right now, church just has nothing, to, church, American church, correct, just has nothing to offer me. Mm-hmm. So here's I think one that of was the, in the letter episode, honestly. Yeah, it so, just literally has nothing to offer me. And this is one of the things that, that Scott helped me realize, too, is the fact that oh, there's actually a country song out there that says... I want to be fishing, thinking about God, than sitting at church thinking, thinking about, about fishing. fishing. <laughs> I, I remember. Oh, I see, like that that's what I'm talking good. about. And I'll, yeah, and I think, and so Any. It, literally, it's much more about the experience and how we invite the spirit in, and you know that's how people can get really, really churchy right when they talk about well i'm gonna have god direct my life well if you actually honestly do that 
you're just raising your vibration. So you're inviting those higher vibration energies into your life where you are end up being more blessed and more right. reciprocal and more right. grateful. You're trying to be in the thin space more often. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is why to the I fact that... where it's not just thin space, but mm -hmm. literally it dissolves and you are there in the presence of God all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, in a sense, like thinking that church can only be like this building with these people for this amount of time for and this whatnot. Program. Then limits, you turn around. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, limits God. Correct. And saying, right. well, you can't move in other ways here, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so people don't. Like, people limit themselves to just going to church instead of their entire lives and saying, right. when I walk out those doors, I'm still going to invite God into right. my life and whatever I'm doing. Right. And what you said earlier about, like, the experience thing, um, where your experiences are not going to be mine, they're not going to impact me Correct. as much as my experiences, yeah. is, like, when mom will tell me, like, oh, if you do that, that'll happen, then I'll be like, oh, yeah. But then, like, yeah, two sure, weeks whatever. Later, yeah. Well, I'll acknowledge it, but I won't understand it. Mm. And then two weeks later, that'll happen to me. And I'm like, Mom, you won't believe what happened. Like, this happened to me, and then this happened. And it's, like, insane. And, like, all these emotions. And you, then you're like, yeah, I told you that. Going to Chuck and Debbie's church, can I say <laughs> that one? Because it was, it, the, it's important yeah. in yeah. context. No, it is people, people don't know who Chuck and Debbie are. Right. There's, so there are the grandparents. The whole point is the, the fact that at certain very specific moments, spirit spoke to me in that building as I was stepping out of my... Mm -hmm religious cultural box okay so there were from very key points that were only given in that environment mm -hmm. however scott and i watched spirit die mm -hmm. and we literally because we weren't there on a weekly basis we weren't watching people right. multiple times a week we would come in usually have you know a sunday a sunday sermon once every five months right yeah. exactly and so we watched it and so how hmm. people that are standing that much on the outside but still hmm. talking to y'all being there in the trenches mm -hmm. and so it just made us so sad hmm. because we could literally watch what for us was a pretty spiritual place. Place, a uh, spiritual home. Yeah. What were the signs for you of that spiritual that spirit had the spirit was dying there? Yeah, it was the quality of the leadership. I can say that, and yes. that was one hundred percent. And you sensed that even in the service. Yes. Or even not just necessarily during the sermon, right? But the interaction just with members people. of congregation. Mm. And it started, it wasn't always this way, mm -mm. but the superficiality yes. just became so, more and more glaring. Very shallow. Yeah. yeah. And well, they just and tried to be A person from this church who, who really did reach, when I left the ex-church, one of the main people who reached out to me, um, there was very few, but one of the main people who reached out to me said, oh my gosh, like, can I just meet with you? Can we just talk? Like, I don't want to convince you to come back, but... Can we just talk? Because I want to learn, like, from what has happened. And, you know, and this person said to me, it's almost like we've stopped really loving each other. And we yeah. just kind of tiptoe around each other. And we try to tolerate each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's hands down exactly what it is. Yeah. Which is sad. Because that there was a time when that was not the case with right. that, with that right. body. That there was there was very deep, deep, organic community and love there but yeah I, I i think over time that that definitely that definitely has died i remember one of the very first conversations that i had with you angie was you know talking about worthiness I and how that. how much you worried about worthiness and you looked at me and you're like what are you talking about mind you I don't this worry. was 30 plus years ago well no. no it was no this is when you stayed at my house yeah 
and you were starting to leave the Mormon church. Yeah. Oh, And we were having okay. a conversation okay. about the checklist. I thought, you meant first, I thought you meant first conversation with her. No. Meeting her. This was, no, no, no. This was like, yeah. Okay. No, this so has been within like, the last 10 years. Within the last 10, yeah. 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 And she stayed at my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like that. I think that it, that's where organized religion loses me. Yeah. Because yeah. I... I just can't do power over people anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's well, an well, interesting thing. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is the fact that there is no glory for God in that power. No. Mm-mm. And so the whole concept and idea of organized religion really shoots itself in the foot when you're oh. looking at trying to develop stronger and deeper relationships with God. So th- that was one of the things that was tumbling around in yeah. my brain right now is, Green. you know... Why do people need to be led that way? Is it because it's easy? Because it's so much easier to give away your accountability, your responsibility. Mm -hmm. If all I have to do, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Correct. But that leads to such a shallow... That is like Hillsong, goddamn. But it it ends up leading to a shallow relationship with Christ and with God because... If you suddenly, if all you've done is listen and follow other people's directions your whole life, right. and then you're left in a crisis of faith, or you're left right. with leadership that has betrayed you, or led to a downfall, or has left a church like what happened with Hillsong, yeah. you then see people start to struggle. Well, and I, 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 I affirm this because, exactly, and, and it's like when I think about this is why... The jobs that we do did not qualify as our ministries and churches. Right, exactly. And that was actually one of the things that I had to deconstruct because my children prevented me from going to the social aspect Mm. of serving in the Mormon church. Right. Well, guess what? My most important ministry was within the walls of my own home. Amen. So All instead, of the other things. We've mm-hmm. got to take the young mom who is completely drained and she needs to be on the worship team or be leading a women's retreat. She is so She's fried. raising people. She's raising little souls. Like that's she is why doing I small groups in her home. Yeah. The, the young mom is doing small every groups in her home every day, day with her children. Yeah. She is teaching the retreat of yeah. Reesey Cat. Sorry, there's a cat in the house. She <laughs> is liking the microphone. She Reesey. wants to participate. She, she can sit on someone's lap. I am not a cat person. I like cats, but I am very obviously not a cat person. Yeah. What's an embarrassing story of yours? A lighthearted one to finish it off. Oh my goodness. An embarrassing story? <laughs> yeah. There's so many. It's hard to think of one on the spot. That's very true. Cool. Oh, enough. what's your fashion? What's your fashion look like right now? Uh, it is all about comfort, but I am the type of person that the more color, the better. Mm. I like, um, yeah, again, it goes back to that maximalist in that, um, you know, I like unique individual, um, very, yeah. But comfort. How, I was going to say, how, how is that going to change with you starting in this new job? Um, not a drastic amount. Okay. I can still be able to have very much of my own personality there. Um, and so it's much more trying to not be overdressed for work. Oh, really? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Like I have lots of dressy, dressy stuff. I totally enjoy dressing up, yeah. but it ends up being one of those things that it makes me feel kind of an oddity because dressed up around here is a, a nice down pair of shirt jeans. and a nice pair of jeans. Yeah. And your boots have been cleaned. That's oh, okay, cool. Well, it was lovely hearing from you, Lynette. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We're Aww. so happy to have you on because... Yes. Whether you guys know it or not, Lynette is always behind the scenes having these conversations with us just as much as... Yes. Oh, for sure. It's like... As we do on the podcast. Almost every day. And yeah. these were these conversations that we have with her, with Brooka, with Angie, all of us. Like, the, yeah. these are the conversations and the memories that we wanted to keep 
Um, and, and, and remember, because, you know, there, there's going to come times where we'll miss these people and we want to be able to keep them in our memories and remember these conversations. And sometimes the written word just doesn't do it. Yeah. And we, and this podcast has opened up so many conversations. Oh, 100%. Like Morgan and I just had lunch with some friends the other day that we hadn't probably sat down with for years and this has it, this podcast is opening up conversations among people. Yeah. And that's what we want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you guys for listening and we want to have conversations with you guys. Yes. Um so if you ever want to talk to us our email is noapologiespodcast1 at gmail.com. That's the number 1, not O N E. Number 1. Um, Mara, Brooka, and Morgan's Instagrams in the description so you can always message us on Instagram if you want to talk as well any questions, concerns uh, suggestions for anything Mom, do you want um, your Instagram in there? I don't you, have a whole lot You I post pictures plans. Mom is really good with plans <laughs> and if you have planty questions she can help answer no, them No I don't, I just grow them and love <laughs> them She grows them really well You should go check it Master out We'll Gardner. include her Instagram in the, in the commentary too Okay, okay. <laughs> A season oh, sign off Yes that's what I was going to do oh, So yeah. this this is the last episode of, this, of our season. first season Yay! Yay! <laughs> We've made it I think we're all really excited for a break this summer yeah, yeah by the when you guys are listening to this we'll be on our break actually so yeah. we'll we'll post a little we'll post the rest of june yeah um but we're going on a break and then in the fall we'll come back we were on a break <laughs> in the fall we'll be back for season two and we already have guests lined up for that and a nice um, topic guests lined up <laughs> right I yeah so Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, wait, please. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Oprah. Let, let us know if you have any suggestions, anything you want us to talk about, and um, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. We'll talk to you later. No letters. Bye. Bye. Bye.